evening all. It's exciting to look at each of you and know the, know the presence of God in our gathering together. I see the Winstons are back here now. You know, I hear I hear the report about how much the the uh, the churches have lost. You know, through the COVID, they dwindled down and didn't have services. And since the COVID's over, uh, their attendance has, has dropped. You know, sixty got back to sixty percent of what it was, and yeah. a lot of a lot of the denominations, churches, and you know, it's 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 rewarding to to partake of the of the strength of our fellowship and what we can be to, to each other. You know, when you <clears throat> especially this time of year, I, you can see it. But when when you look at each other, you, you look at each other. You're looking at at the at the spirit of God working of, uh, or light dispersing darkness that's what's emanating for each of us as we abide in him and uh, we need to be able to look around and see that coming forth out of each of us that's that's God's intent and purpose in each of us so <clears throat> why don't we gather up here and fellowship together thank the Lord for what we are Rejoice not
wrestling match. Good to be together, isn't it? Yes. Going to get something very fresh tonight. I don't know how long it will be, so listen carefully and hopefully the Lord will fill it. It is very, uh, I'll make note that I'm uh, just visiting with uh, Brother John and Carol and, and seeing Don come in. Uh, Everything has been going well for all these procedures that have been happening, but I'm thankful that that's the way it's gone. I'm always thankful for a good report, but <clears throat> you never know what's going to happen, what the Lord's going to bring along. I can tell you very succinctly what the theme of the night is going to be. It's called, Keep Your Hand on the Plow. That's so what we're going to get tonight. Keep your hand on the plow. So if you're drawing, you can draw about that or something else. Either, either one. You can turn to Ecclesiastes 11. It's becoming more and more evident to me that there's growing opportunity to shrink back, to draw back. If you're, if you're doing anything but looking to do otherwise, there's opportunity to draw back. Has anybody else felt that? I hope you're aware that the enemy is in the business every day when we wake up uh, presenting us with opportunities to shrink back and reasons to shrink back. There's also other things available, like new mercies. <clears throat> you have to choose what you're going to lay hold of during the day. We have spent the last couple years making it very evident. I hope that everybody down to the youngest should be aware that there is no way for any of us to pull this off, right? Is everybody well aware of that? You should be well aware that there is no way <clears throat> If you didn't hear from the pulpit, the Lord should personally have made it aware to you. I've been coming at me from every angle that it is no way for me to pull this off in my own strength. So what is my part? If I can't do it, what is my part? And I would say that that is what I have just been sitting on the last couple of days. That's why I'm telling you this to be very fresh. Some of this just from driving here. My part that is ever so important is to give my heart fully to what the Lord puts on my plate. That's what is my part. My part is to not shrink back. My part is to give diligence to make sure what the Lord has provided for me that is available to me is being taken advantage of. Right? That's the purpose. The purpose of saying you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this isn't to just sit back and take it easy. I want to make sure we all know that. Brother Bill and everybody else that have been speaking this, the, the point of the message isn't been kick back and enjoy the ride. There's a lot of the force of this world that says, you know, kick back, really, kick back and enjoy the ride. You can have a little bit of your life and you can have a little bit of what the Lord likes to offer. It's all good. And just take it easy. I, the times that I've done that, there has been trouble. This is for me. The times that I have just put her in neutral, 
let her rest. My soul doesn't just go cruising into good things. That's what I have found. The, the world is doing a good job of drawing my soul into places that are not good for me. I'll say it that way. And when you see what, uh, maybe, maybe on both sides, when you see your lack, when you see uh, your inability, when you see maybe where you've tried and tried and, and hasn't broken through, when you see, uh, you know, around you what might not be encouraging, whatever it is, uh, you must realize that the Lord Himself wants us to be persuaded. He does want us to be persuaded that we can't pull this off so that we actually call upon Him to keep doing the work in our heart. Right? And in Ecclesiastes, this is said a different way, and uh, we'll read it here. I didn't, this may be a little interesting because I didn't even get a chance to print my few notes. Um, in verse 4, <clears throat> We know this. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, something that happens that we can't do anything about, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether it shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be good alike. You know, <clears throat> there is numerous passages in here. If you look at the parables about sowing, sowing and sowing and sowing. What don't we do? We don't cause the growth. You know, we don't cause the growth. But... The Lord gives each of us, you have to believe this, I have to believe this, that when I wake up in the morning, the Spirit of the Lord, the mercies of the Lord, have given to me what I need for today, just a typical Wednesday. Whatever the case, whatever you woke up with facing today, the Lord gave me, equipped me this morning with what I need to sow towards life today. And my job is just to keep sowing. Everything about man is about analysis. You know, I, I, are you the type that observes the clouds? I really observe the clouds, you know? I like blue sky. I'm going to be real honest with you. I like blue sky, you know? If we're heading out hunting and it looks like three days of rain, I'm like, Lord, turn around. I like blue sky. I don't like high winds, you know? I like calm blue sky. I like moderate temperatures. I'm good for sowing when everything is right. You know what I mean? I'm good to sow when the atmosphere feels like it's time to go in and get engaged, right? But the Lord is after people whose heart is after His heart and aren't moved by the clouds. I'd like to not be moved by the clouds. I'd like to say that I've arrived at a place. There are some clouds that don't move me like they used to. There's, you should all be able to say in your life, there are clouds that used to drive you away off the field that don't do that now. But the Lord is looking for us to so beside all waters, right? That is, that is critical. There is, there is God come within us, uh, a desire to stay after the Lord. And I wrote a thing, a few things down here last night, and I said uh, I was just things I was thinking about. Uh, it feels like uh, there's never been a more powerful, uh, you know, even silent, even unseen tidal wave that's just an undercurrent of the enemy just to make you want to retreat. Just to, just, it's an undercurrent that is to retreat. And it's like, 
with every one of those undercurrents that comes, you can feel, you know, are you going to engage with the Spirit of God or are you just going to give in to the way you feel right now? I think it's sometimes it's about as simple as that. You know, are you just going to give in to the way you're feeling? What's amazing is that when you choose to engage and say, Lord, the day, has, the week hasn't gone the way I'd like it to go. Uh, this day doesn't feel like things are going the way as I should, the job, whatever it is. Lord, I want to engage with you. Please help me to see this day the way that you see it. There, there is, it's not magic. There's times when I ask the Lord for things for weeks on end that I don't see happen the way that I'd like to. But I can say that in those times, uh, I have had the Lord give me the strength to keep simply keep sowing. You know, of all the options that's on the table, don't quit. That's, that's an option that you don't want to take. Don't quit. There's one condition that the Lord seems to have a real, a real lack of patience for. And that condition, this is, I can be corrected, but unbelief. Unbelief is one, if you look through, he does not appreciate unbelief. He doesn't, have, uh, he doesn't have a lack of mercy for those that fail over and over again. If you look through the Word, I think someone was at you this morning that said, David, you know, comes up out of Psalm 51. He knows that he's blown it. He has an amazing prayer. He comes back to the Lord. And a few years later, you know, he's numbering the people, you know, and the Lord still doesn't quit on him. You know, he reaps the consequences right there of those things, but the Lord is still working with him. The Lord works with people that fail over and over and over again. But the difference is that the people that the Lord works with come back to Him. They come back. They don't take their hand off the plow and run off the field never to return. It is, there's such a, when you, um, you know, I mean, there's so many of these things, you know, the grass is green on the other side. We've got to acknowledge that what the Lord has put on our plate right now Whatever the clouds look like right now, however big the stones look in this field, whatever seems to not have changed over the last months, years, that the Lord is very specific with what He puts in our field. It doesn't just get there per chance. He knows what we can, uh, you know, plow through. He's the only one, and His His purpose is to have us not quit. I want to look in. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 9. I wrote down to myself the other night, when is it a good time to finally quit sowing? And you know what I wrote below that? Never. Never. It's hard to realize that working within the realm of the Spirit, really getting weaned from the land of emotions, is it's a hard go. You know, when everything is working, you know, when everything is beautiful and lovely, I was thinking during the... During, I was blown away during the wedding. I've been a part of, you know, how many weddings? I've had 50 weddings, and I'm usually just, you know, running sound and stuff, but I don't... I guess I haven't sat at a head table for a while, but... Incredible, just the presentation of things that just, you know, come together. I mean, literally mind-blowing. And I've been to a number of weddings. I've been to weddings with, you know, I've been to $35,000 weddings, not here, and seen what that does. It, it just is incredible. When the family is coming together to put things together, it's, it's astounding. It's astounding what this family does, you know. And 
the most important difference of everything is not that it's an amazing concessionaire, it's that it's coming out of a heart of love. You know, it's, you're being you know, served by people that love and care. It means so much more than just something you paid for. You know, it's like the care and the serving going into it is amazing. And it's amazing what, um, you know, you feel unstoppable at those times. You know, I mean, really, when, when the body is in its place, when everybody is just in their place doing, it literally is unstoppable. You're getting just a little, you know, cosmic glimpse of what you can see the Lord references of the family of God at large, what it's going to be like when everybody is just uh, at peace in their place, just doing what you've been called to do, serving in the place you've been called to do. It's, it, it just produces a fruit that nothing else can produce. And it's amazing how, you know, the ripple of, of something discouraging or defeating or, you know, uh, you know, you wake up to 20 below, it's like you wake up on a different day. The man of God is able to take both of those days and keep moving forward. You get what I'm saying? It's like the thing that separates just a, just a guy that can get in for the party or a guy that's actually realize that his strength and his help is in the Lord, is those things. You read through what David says, David is calling out of a place of utter despair way more times than he's calling out of a place of victory. And he makes sure that he thanks the Lord for the times of victory. You know, you see that as well. But I find for myself that I'm a lot more acutely aware of the help of the Lord in the times of lack. and <laughs> the times when I'm like, you know, one hand, the last hand is about to fall off this plow. I don't know if I keep going. And, you know, I have to step back and thank the Lord that we have a God, that we have a Father that doesn't mind bringing me to the rocky field tomorrow morning to put within me a different heart. A great amount of zest, a great amount of soul, a great amount of get-to-itiveness that is so critical on the job and everywhere else. Uh, isn't going to accomplish the work of the Spirit. But a determination to stay upon God, that absolutely has to be something that's a part of our life. And I just, um, I'm, I'm aware that, uh, I just say it again, more than ever, the tidal wave of what I can feel coming in, just it's, it's almost global, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, maybe I can have my own life and I can also have the life of God at the same time. Can I really get the benefit of both things? Is it really necessary? Is there a sacrifice required? I think God is very practical. I think we have, I was going to say young people, but old people, really sitting down to think of, man, you know, there's things I could do with my life. I've got these skills. I've got these assets. I could be making real money. These are, these are real things that you're sitting down and, and you know, what is it? What is the reward of really cashing all in to serve the Lord? If you step back and you look at you know, the movement that got us here, people walked off of great jobs that they'd worked their whole life for. What was it? You know, like the things that are maybe creeping back in as great possibilities right now, people stepped away from in five minutes because the Spirit of the Lord stepped into their life and opened their eyes to something totally different. And this is why I said at Thanksgiving, if there's one thing I could ask for, if there's one thing I could hold on to, is that the eyes of my understanding, the eyes of the understanding of our kids are open. There's nothing, that's only a work of the Lord. There's, you, we sow to it as parents, we're going to keep sowing to it, but there's nothing like the eyes of, of your understanding being opened by the Lord, where you suddenly realize, you know what, I love this house, I love my master, I love what I have, I love, I love the fruit of sowing towards something eternal. We're not... It's a great farm we have. It's a great place we have. Uh, we're going to keep working towards it. We're working hard to do that. But 
This could all go away tomorrow. This is not what we're after. This is, I was, we were having a great time playing games with the kids the other day, and I was just saying, you know, it's like, I don't know how to convey an understanding of, you know, uh, just a massive, uh, I don't know, you know, you, you run into those things in your life where you realize how insignificant the things of this world are in light of what you're going after. And each of us have to come up to that place where you realize, I, I am setting my sights of something that is not, it's not temporal, it can't be temporal. Anyway, I was headed to Corinthians, and now I've lost my place again. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 9. Uh, in, let's look at 6 here. Again, something we know, but it's just so freighted here. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You know, I love what John Cheever has said. We can't, I've had some great discussions on this. But he said, thank God you don't get what you sow. Because the scripture is clear that you sow, sown in weakness, raised in strength, sown in dishonor, raised in honor, right? Sown in corruption. You know, what am I sowing? What am I bringing to the table that God, I'm not bringing anything eternal. I'm just bringing my heart. And it's a corruptible heart. But... The whole point of it is that if I continue to bring that each day, there is going to come a time for the people of God where we're going to reap an incorruptible heart. That, I just want to say that's still coming. Thank you, Lord, that's still coming, right? That's a new body. Maybe it's more exciting for the older than the younger, but we're still going for it. But sowing bountifully. Sowing bountifully. I love that. You know, I think there's people that come to mind when you think of people that just sow bountifully, no matter what. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Today I was thinking of something that I, I needed to do, and I was totally so far behind. I forgot about some meetings, and I had the afternoon schedule, and I blew the whole, and I, was, I knew that I needed to do something of purpose. And I was thinking to myself, when do I grow up to the point that I really want to do the thing that I know that I should do. You know? How often do you do the thing that you know you need to do just because you know you should do it, right? Does that make a difference? You know, like, I'm going to do this because I know that it's the right thing to do. But, you know, transitioning to where you do it because it's really the thing that you want to do the most, you know? You take your up to the door and you're like, you know what, today I'm not going to be beaten to work. I just, I, I love my master's house, you know? Pierce my ear to the door, whatever it is. There comes, I think there comes a time, you know, if you sow to those things that you know that you should do, there, are, there comes a time when you, it just becomes something the Lord enables you to do with a willing heart. Those are, that's a significant thing. So it says, jumping to my non-printed notes, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things. That's, a, that's an all-comprehensive statement right there. <laughs> May abound to every good work. Now, I'm going to challenge you. I would say there might be some just cynical, possible unbelief in your heart on just a random cold Wednesday morning, you know, coming to the tabernacle. What's going in your mind? I'm able to do all things, always, you know, with all sufficiency. Thank you, Lord. You know, this is just, it's operating at a different level. This is so different than I can make myself have a better, more exciting, happy life. This is so opposite that. 
This is, I'm learning to move into a realm in the spirit that is, that is not bound to being run by the principalities of this world. Does that make sense? Like, I've proven to myself that I'm just not going to wake up thinking happy thoughts on every single day. But I've also proven that I get to choose. I get to choose today. Lord, I'm going to sow towards positive things today. Once again, yesterday was great, but guess what? Today, there's a required recommittal of my purpose to bring a willing heart to the table of God's field to say, Lord, all I know today, I feel a lot different than yesterday, you know, maybe we're having a losing day, whatever. But in the long run, I'm going to bring to the table a willing heart. And I'm going to keep sowing. And this is where I'm going to talk about Abraham Lincoln in a minute, so you can look forward to that. <clears throat> As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth us through us, thanksgiving to God. The principle of the Lord is ask and you shall receive, right? Knock and it shall be open unto you. What do you have to do? What is the thing for all the things you can't do? The Lord says over and over and over again, knock, knock, seek, seek. He wants to know who is going to stay after me. When you read about the story of the Syrophoenician woman, I read that again today because someone read that recently. And it is... If you tell yourself, this is the Jesus, whatever you've imagined and thought of him, a lady calls up on the phone and says, you know, my daughter's sick. Here's the guy that's healing everybody. And he's like, yeah, you know what? You're not on the list today. I mean, the response is incredible. You know, dogs aren't fit, right? And she comes back with, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs. I mean, was that a kind thing that he said to her? You know, it's like, actually, no. It's, if you read the text, I read it again. It's incredibly offensive what he said to her. What was he looking for? Was he trying just to beat her out the door? This is a guy that's gone hours serving people. He wanted to know, is this lady really going to stay in here and stay after the thing that she wants? Is she going to stay in here? Is she going to keep her hand in the plow? And she's like, true. She doesn't even deny it. True, Lord. But even the dogs get the crumbs. That's what he wanted to hear. What is it? You know, this is, this is where do you find the Lord seeming to be the, you know, the stone heavens, the brass heavens, when you're seeking Him for things that don't seem to be changing. Is He just a obtuse mean God? Well, He's after seeing what is in our heart to stay after Him. Right. And that takes sometimes a silence in the heavens against the things that we want so badly. It takes a silence in the heavens to, to realize the thing that I wanted, thank you Lord, you didn't give me that thing that I wanted so bad. It might take a silence in the heavens to realize during all these months of me calling out to God for this thing, for this friend, for whatever, nothing has seemed to change, but I've actually gotten closer to the Lord. And that's what he was after. Big difference. This is a God that's after a heart that's continually coming to him. It isn't going to quit. So, uh, I, I happen to be, as you know, I like real stories, but I, um, this documentary on Abraham Lincoln and there's great historians in the crowd, but I just forgot that Abraham, you know, he's, he's critical to our nation, really, amazing. You know, uh, we likely, you know, probably wouldn't have found my wife in Florida if Abraham Lincoln would have been president. We just would have been, you know, it wouldn't, countries, you know, the country would have split apart, right? Personally thankful for him. But, um, but 
Abraham Lincoln started out with so many disadvantages and so many failures, just over and over and over. I mean, he's raised in the woods. His mother dies when he sticks. He has no literature. He's taken out of school because he has to work to serve the farm. I'm just, I'm just chomping through a lot of hours. I'm saving you just a lot of details. He gets a friend nearby to give him a book that he reads, and his father, you know, nearly beats him to death for being lazy and reading books, but he pays off the books, and he starts self-training himself. You know, he gets in, he goes to a, a store, and he works as a clerk, and he starts hearing about politics and realizing, I'm not going to just live in the woods doing this. Anyway, he just comes up, he... he Everything is in turmoil when he comes in. The, the government is like the worst mess it possibly can be in. The Republican Party is brand new. The, the, there's, the South is growing in strength. And, and just to boil it all down, when he comes to the table he, and, and starts realizing that there's civil war that he's going to have to face, slavery isn't even on the table for him. His goal was just to keep the Union together. That was his initial goal. I want to just point out two things to keep this very concise. Um, but as you know, against all odds, he makes the downselect of these three Republicans. That is, he was the he was the totally the longest. You know, there was just no chance for him to make it. And he he gets in. He has some friends that help him. But he just he, you know his he had a history of being a man of his word. This starts to pay off for him. Just being a man of his word, being under the underdog over and over and over again. You know, a, a backwards guy, the, a backwoods man that the people of New York didn't even want. <clears throat> anyway, he just keeps. Over and over again, he keeps his, his face in there, not quitting. This is just incredible. So he, he, you know, he, he wins the presidency against all odds, as we know, and is immediately met with the crisis of this little war and the South seceding. And again, he's not making slavery the issue. He, he's trying to just keep, his goal is to keep the union together. But as he's going along, this issue of slavery just kind of grows and grows, and he realizes this really is much more important than I, I ever realized it was. But as he goes into the Civil War, and so many things, I'm skipping things that happen to him, they're just uh, defeat after defeat, but he doesn't really, you know, he invites Lee up, right? Lee, you want to come run the Army of the Potomac? And Lee says, thank you, I will take the Army of Virginia, right? And so the top general in the nation goes south right to begin with. And he's left running through a cadre of generals that don't take action to stay in battle. This is my point with these guys. Over and over again, these guys, would, would not go to war when there was time to go to war, right? That's the point I'm making. And he, and he, after going through a bunch of real losers, he finally gets to McClellan, right? You probably, most of you remember McClellan. And McClellan got the Army of, of the North, the Army of the Potomac, whipped into shape like it had never been, right? It was bedraggled, there was no discipline, there was no order, there was no rank. People were doing, you know, there was no communication. And McClellan comes in and he gets the largest, most uh, conditioned, most disciplined army that North America has ever seen. And Lincoln says, this is fantastic. Let's go down and come in where, uh, to the south and sneak up on uh, you know, the, the capital and, and take it from there. So McClellan goes down and he gets his whole troop mobilized and he sits there and does nothing. And Lincoln goes down there, lands in his boat and asks, what is going on? He doesn't even find McClellan is not even there to meet him. And he asked, why are we not attacking? And they're like, well, the only Ironsides boat that we had is taken by the South and it's sitting over there and everybody's scared of it. So we're all sitting here. He's like, this is one ship. We have this entire army. Let's go after it. We can't do that. It's, the water is too shallow. 
Well, get me a boat. He gets in a little boat with three of his guys. This is the President of the United States. And he goes out there and he explores and he finds a landing spot. McClellan is still missing. He comes back and he says, you're attacking right there and you can do it. They attack right there, they can do it. McClellan finds out he's just, you know, going out of his mind. You know, do you know tactic and all this? And the, and the Army of the North marches right up towards the capital and they're making great progress until McClellan arrives and stops the, stops the advancement. Lincoln goes back to Washington and he waits and waits for McClellan to take action. No action. Lee chases him right back to the ocean. They come back up to the north. And then, as you know, he waits and waits for McClellan. He gives orders like seven times. He gives an order that says, by my birthday in February, you must attack the south. No attacking. Here's a guy that's got the best army and he's literally refusing to just do anything with it. Anyway, he finally hears about Meade, right? General Meade, who meets the army at Gettysburg. I'm just condensing this for the point of the story. He kicks him out against you know, everybody's recommendations. He gets rid of you know, his fourth general, brings in Meade, because Meade is just a stubborn old guy from the north, very experienced. And he meets Lee, and, and as you know, for three most intense days in Gettysburg, uh, Meade takes a victory, right? July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And on that same day, uh, Grant, uh, wins a, a war as well, um, and amazing. And he, Lincoln has been living these three days in the telegraph station. His wife, they, they take the, the, the chair off his, they unbolt his seat from his carriage uh, to try to, they're trying to kill him, right? And his wife coming to the war room, the chair falls off, she bashes her head, and he doesn't even leave the war room to, to go see her if she's alive. But he literally stays in that war room for days to, to just hear information and stay in touch with General Meade. As soon as he hears that Lee is headed south, it's been raining and raining, he sends him a telegraph that says, pursue. Mm -hmm. You have got the Army of the South on the run, and you have 12,000 men in reserve that haven't even joined the battle that are now with you. Pursue. General Meade calls in two generals. He's like, guys, we're all really tired. I've just got this telegraph. Do you think we should pursue? The one general says, let's do it. We've got him pinned against the river because the river is full. The other guy says, we're all tired. Let's stop. Meade says, we're going to sit here. Grant sends, or, uh, Lincoln sends another message down. Pursue. He sits there for 11 more days. This is just mind-boggling. And Lee is trapped on the north shore of Potomac because it's so full from rain, just waiting to be demolished. And nobody comes. And so the night of July 13th, they finally craft a bridge with a flotilla across this thing. And Meade arrives the morning of the 14th to find the Army of the South escaped across the river. Anyway, you know, as you know, he replaces him, right? And he, he's eventually victorious. But it just, it was amazing to me how many times that the North had the wherewithal. Lincoln was just heartbroken when he found out that Lee had crossed the river and escaped because he said, our country is now going to live through two more years of internal strife that could have been solved today on the 5th of July if he would have just pursued. And now we're in exactly what happened. It took you know, another two years to finally finish it off. It was the turning point, but they didn't pursue when they should have pursued, even though they were tired. There was plenty of men behind in the reserve, and there was no more reserve for the South, and the South was trapped. And I was just thinking about this guy that just over and over again, uh, he, had, he had one thing. He just kept his hand on the plow. He stayed in there, just not quitting. And it's not, again, this is a physical battle, but there is so much help that comes when you simply engage your heart with what you know the Lord wants you to do. It may be as simple as talking to your friend. It may be as simple as just changing, Lord, 
I've had these thoughts about the day. Can you please give me some new thoughts of the day? Whatever it is, the enemy wants you just to simply quit and draw back. Just simply draw back. If the enemy can get you to draw back, you lose out on the help that the Lord has for you right off the bat. And there's so many things about the externals that, that are going on right now. And I hope we understand that they're going on globally. You know, it's not, it, the enemy makes it seem like such an isolated thing. He's after everybody just to, just to try to defeat us. When, when in actuality, we're closer to where we're headed than we ever have been. And the Lord is, the Lord's not up there buddying and screaming out what's going on. He knows exactly what's taking place. He knows exactly what's happening. But he has to find a people whose hearts are not going to retreat in times of hardship. He has to find those people. I was thinking about, you know, the very night in the garden. If you look at all of Jesus' life and you get down to what we all know is like the pivotal fulcrum of history, right? The night of the cross. Like you'd think there'd be fireworks and announcements and everything. Everybody abandons him. Even, even his top three men are like, oh boy, you know, I don't really know who that guy is in the fire. He's left to himself. This is, you know, God doesn't bring things to a fulcrum with great big drama and applause. He's looking to see what is happening on the inside. This is what's going on. And he takes these men like Peter that blew it over and over and over again. And he's like, you know what? You're going to be the rock upon which the church is built. Peter didn't look like anything like a rock on that of the crucifixion. He was, you know, running for his life. But the Lord is, is after a people who are not going to quit. Knock and keep on knocking. I'm going to close. <clears throat> Let's turn to Matthew 7. I think we've all had times when we have felt at the end of ourself. And, uh, you know, when you're at the end of your health self, I, I hope you go to the right people for counsel. I'll say that. It's a little free ad. But um, when you, you can, it can take a simple conversation with the right purpose, person to get your mind completely back on track. Sometimes, sometimes you just hear a conversation of someone that has made a change in their heart and, you, and the strength you can get from that is incredible. The things that we say to each other are incredibly impacting, uh, both for encouragement and for discouragement. We have to, it's, it's worth taking note of the things that we speak into each other's life. Um, but I think that we all uh, need to give care to uh, consider the help that is, that is available to come our way when we simply incline our ear, when we simply say, Lord, today I'm going to put my hand in the plow again and, and keep moving forward. So here, and this is a Pentagon passage that we all know, but it says, ask, this is Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, to him it shall be opened. Or what man of theirs you, of you whom his son asked bread, will he give him stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? It does not say that he'll give you what you are asking for. It says that he'll give you good things. And in 
the most important things that I've found of the good things that the Lord has given me is just, uh, maybe just once more, a taste of the help of His Holy Spirit, that He shows me that He's still with me. Maybe the situation hasn't changed. Maybe the physical condition hasn't changed. We've got a lot of things here that we would like to see changed that are, you know, very tough situations, long-term situations that none of us would like to see our friends or our children go through. But in the middle of it all, none of that is none of that is a loss if in our heart we keep a soft heart and we keep it turned toward the one who can send us help. All those situations, all the things that seem to overwhelm you on a dark, cold morning, there is so much eternal value in just again saying, Lord, I have no feeling towards a great day, but I'm gonna come to you one more time today. I'm gonna offer a willing heart. I'm going to offer a hand that's going to go put on the plow one more time for whatever you have for me today that might seem impossible. And I'm just going to keep it there until you meet me. And the Lord is always faithful to give strength, to give seed to those who sow, right? Don't regard the clouds. No matter what clouds, no matter what stones you face, uh, we must realize that to be grown up into the, the level of Christ that we are called to become, there has to be uh, uh, just a destroying of any faith, any hope in ourselves, but a complete rebuilding, a complete uh, and full trust and full belief that we have all the help, we have all the resources, that when I go to sow, when I go to have this conversation, when I say, Lord, can you give me a new way of thinking about this one more time, that he's going to give seed to the sower. That is the father that we have. There's no time that you go to sow that he is not faithful to give you seed to sow. Keep your hand on the plow. Yeah. One thing that we uh, we need to keep in our minds, <coughs> because it's not that. Uh, I mean, God knows tonight who's going to continue and who is rooted and grounded and, and pursuing. This isn't some thing that he's, uh, oh, we've got to get more of God or, you know. Uh, you sit here tonight and I, we don't know who's who. But we, uh, it, it's not, and, and one of the things that you said that we need to really hear um, in, in regard to these things, uh, and I, I should have I should have written it down, but uh, <coughs> it, it has to do with. Uh, uh, let me let me go to what uh, it could come to me the, the very specific thing. Um, we need to spend a great deal of time in Romans four and five because it, it identifies who we are. You're the seed of Abraham, and Abraham, it was imputed to him. He was given righteousness because all the way along, he was God saw him beforehand, but he still tested him. He knew <coughs> that he would hold on. It, it wasn't some mystery. God is not looking for somebody 
He has the somebody and he knows who will be rooted and grounded and who will rise in the resurrection. And, and I, I, I just want to read this to you because it, here's what he said. I'm reading what he said. You talked about belief. Uh, he is very hard on unbelief. He, and so are you. When you have something that you're, you really want to give, and people say, oh, no, 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 I don't deserve that, or that, that's far too much. And I, I suppose a husband uh, gets this from a wife, or a wife from a husband, when a gift is coming. You and I have everything pertaining to the end of the matter. We have it. It is given to us. And, and I'll just read this section and close, because this has been good. Um, pursue. <laughs> uh, Abraham was 100 years old, and certainly Sarah was not in uh, uh, shape to have children. Um, but God still uh, gave them life. And it says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, in trust, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Uh, are you persuaded? <coughs> Am I persuaded? There are times, and I think the mention that you make of getting up in the morning or what you're going through in a day, the enemy is constantly trying to, to, to be an obstruction. Uh, you don't really mean it. It's not that significant. Nobody else is doing it. Uh, what, whatever comes along. But, uh, and it says, being full persuaded that what he promised he was able to perform. Therefore, when you're at that place, where trust comes in, just because we say believe, it's not that that won't do it. You, you, we need to say, God, please build a greater trust inside the gut of inside me. I, I have the information. I'm surrounded with the information, the scripture. I can quote it, but until they're working, so that He and I are on a, a viable thing. So if, if I ask him for something and he produces it, and I recall that, and, I, and that relationship is built up, then that trust is built up. But it's not going to be there just because we say, believe. It's there because you offer and you, you have a um, confluent flow from God who is almighty, who's made everything, and the little, you know, the little things that we are. But hear this, um, and, and this is very important because a lot of people, because when we have stood up and said, you can't wear out the grace and the mercy. No matter, you know, you go ahead and go to your hell, you kill somebody, you go to jail, you become a drugger, you whatever it is. You're born again. I, I've said this over and over, and I believe it with all my heart. But most people don't believe it. They, they come to a place where their, their major fix is, I'm not good enough. That's true. 
So, but because he purchased you, you have an opportunity. And that opportunity is what happens to if you don't do anything. When you, you can live in hell until God comes. And he, and he has some kind of a training program on the other side. I don't know what it is, but I know uh, the most miserable people on earth are the double-minded who don't trust. I know they are, because I've been one. I've been one. I've wanted my way. That's where we all are. That's where this family, if someone says, what's the greatest need at Waystone? For us to say, it's not about me. It's, it's about me living as Christ and trusting that as God was faithful to Jesus, you know, I was thinking about that when you're talking about the Syrophoenician woman. It's one of my favorite stories. But what she recognized was that she had a place that, that, that Jesus was at the table and the men that were with him were at the table. She considered herself to go that she humbled herself. So God himself heard her in the midst of that. And he knew, God of course knew beforehand who she was. Jesus didn't know. He wasn't running around with an overflow that he knew everything. He was dependent just like you are. And we have to understand that. Because when we show that trust, we're doing something that mankind has never done. They have never done. And we're in a world today where very few have done it. And I've come to a place in my own heart. It, I, I'm not thinking, i got to do it, i got to do it. I'm saying, God, you do it. I want to be there while you're doing it. But listen to this. I turned the page here, accident. Now, and, and therefore, because he trusted, it was imputed. He was funded, is what happened. It was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written. Please, if you have your Bibles open, read Romans 4 and 5, 4 and 5. Read it again and again and again. Pray over it until you understand it. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. Say that with me. For us also. For me. <laughs> to whom it shall be imputed. And this is the big boy. If we believe. If we believe. I think I read that one time and one of the children on the other side of this thing said, if. Well, it's true. No. If. And God help us to do that. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification. And the next thing in, in five was, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access. The greatest gift you have is that you can go upstairs tonight. <laughs> But wherever you go and you put your head on the pillow tonight, you have access to talk to God. He hears what you say. 
He knows your fears. He's, he's your father. And he cares about you more than you care about you. Uh, and he certainly cared about me more than I cared about me. Thank you. It was straightforward and too. It's gone out with some. It's awful to see those generals all in power. But they actually, the, the historians say that the, the North could have won the war with one hand. They had all that. They were having both races in the And I think uh, God spared the Son of God when He spared the lead through this whole thing. Bow your heads. Carter, it's reckoned to us. We're we're the seed of Abraham tonight, Lord. Uh, help us, help us to to hear this and absolutely pursue a God who who has given us everything, all the 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 favor, all the the mercy and love. Help us to sow with a faith of receiving bountifully. We already have. We've already seen it. And Lord, put this within us that uh, we won't be the same. We're free tonight. We're not under some uh, circumstance. And, and, and when Paul said to us uh, that, that we should uh, cleanse ourselves from all the defilement of flesh and spirit and holiness, we can't do that. But we must do it by trusting that you've already done it and that we're going to continue to return and stay under you. Be with us in that, our Father, for Jesus' sake. We thank you for this word tonight. Help us to walk in it. Amen.